This week on the Ocean Cruisers podcast, I'm having a chat with Trip Brower from Sailing Vessel Resilience, the Apparent Winds Expedition. Trip with his partner Kira as first mate are leading a 75-foot aluminium science and education expedition vessel called Resilience. They started the journey in British Columbia and sailed to Alaska, then down to Mexico before crossing the Panama Canal and sailing north to Maine. They're now undergoing a refit in South Carolina before heading south for their upcoming season. If you'd like to learn more about resilience and apparent winds, visit apparentwinds.org and Apparent Winds Expedition on YouTube. For anyone who would like to support the podcast and video productions, we do. We have a store on our website now selling t-shirts, hoodies and a few other bits. Visit theoceancruisers.com or you can join our Patreon community. But for now, enjoy the podcast with Trip. Good. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, we're, we're just getting started, but yeah, tell me, tell me what you thought. Bloody nice boat, mate. Very nice boats. <laughs> the type of boat that, you know, if we didn't know each other that well and you weren't a good guy, I'd kill you for it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that's that's what scares me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's really nice, mate. It's really nice. We're, we're painting our... Next week we haul out and we're painting the boat uh, Kingston Gray. Yeah, we're trying. It's a pretty boat. The boat that we started with or that we thought we were going to use with this was a all steel schooner, gorgeous but very work boat sort of research vessel. And when it came time to actually make that deal happen, the guy wanted way too much. And this boat was just on my computer, on my laptop that I'm talking on now, as a tab, just on online that a, a boat broker had mentioned to me. And I really thought nothing of it. It was just a uh, just a bargaining chip for the other boat that I really wanted. And then well, this guy didn't work out. Invented? It was a boat called Daria Bar. It's a steel hauled schooner in in uh in the uh, in Honolulu in Hawaii. Ah, right. Okay. Alawai, over there. Similar yeah. to the one you've got. Eighty four feet. I'm seventy five feet. Steel. I'm aluminum. And but it already was a sailing research vessel, so that's sort of like inspired yeah. this whole dream of hey, let's do this on a bigger boat. I was on a forty foot boat when I saw it sailing around the world doing a circumnavigation when COVID hit, and so then I saw you know fl- sailed into Hawaii because it's the only place I go out as American from French Polynesia, and uh, spent six months there, and that's where I met Kira. That's also where I found this boat Daria Bar, which sort of inspired a whole new idea of what apparent winds was and. Instead of sailing two years around the world, let's do ten years around the world. Instead of you know me and my buddy sailing, let's let's bring on like a film crew. Let's bring on scientists. Let's bring on guests that want to be a part of this. Let's let's meet people halfway around the world and say, hey, do you want to come sail with us? Mm. Or do you want to show us your home? Do you want to you know come aboard and, and be a part of this? So that's that was the idea. Is like let's get a bigger platform to do what we're already doing. Yeah. Mate, all the it's way just around. it's just big ideas as well, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like you just you really you really took it up a notch there <laughs> from like a little forty <laughs> footers, like a seventy five foot all aluminum expedition vessel that you're doing science experiments on and meeting people around the world and bringing them on board. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Why not? It's yeah. it's a little overwhelming at times, but I'm yeah, gosh, I mean, I'm I'm thrilled and I'm I'm stoked for what's coming this year. We've been doing a, a year and a half already, and. And it's it's really powerful. I just when I got back, I was I went and visited uh, my girlfriend's family up in New York for Christmas, and came back down, you know, on the 26th because I really have to work and get back into it. But I ran into one of the folks, a woman that we filmed up in Maine this summer. She has family here, so I said, you know, let's get together, have a beer, and catch up. And already, and I I had gotten an email from her, and I, this has happened already through a lot of people that we meet with and film with. You know, she was just like, you know having the conversation, having the interview that we had with her changed her life. 
And she, you know, decided with the questions. Yeah, she, she, it pushed her to go get this job working for the state of Maine to do cetacean research because it's so needed and she's the right person for the job. And that's what she's doing now. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's cool to see the effect of not only folks that might watch what we're doing and we need to improve the way we're doing, I think, to like really hook people in and we're getting there, but to see the people that actually we work with, it makes a big difference. And it's huge for us. You know, I mean, what a good feeling thing, but it's more seeing that impact is, is what we're really going for. So mate, like, you know, what has brought you to want to do this? Because, you know, getting a boat and sailing around the world is one thing. It's a cool adventure, but like to take on the task that you've set for yourself, like just in terms of maintenance and the goals that you want to get out of doing all this, you know, it's, it's really a, a bloody huge thing that you've set for yourself. Like what, what brought you to this point where you want to, you know, just get a ginormous boat and do like science experiments in wild places. <laughs> what brought it all on? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. Uh, you know, I'll try to make it quick, and, but also show the, the different stages of it. The first part of it was the circumnavigation with a friend of mine. The whole idea of it, really, we were stuck at home. We were roommates and best friends, both recently single out of our relationships, both ready for something different in, in life with our jobs, and a hurricane was coming through. And so I'm from South Carolina in Charleston. So a hurricane was coming through, and, you know, we've had them. They don't knock on wood. They're usually not too bad. So we're sitting at home, we were stuck. And so we got stuck in this uh, philosophical conversation of what is it to be alive? You know, what is this experience that we all have, you know, where we are in this world and what is, you know, just really diving into a philosophical thing of what is this? What is life? Mm -hmm. And then it kind of went from there to, well, to better understand our lives, let's understand the world because that's something tangible. We can't really have that. We don't have the mental capacity to really think too far beyond that. So let's see the world. And, you know, it, there was a lot more to it, but we decided during that hurricane uh, in 2018 to, from a month from the date that we decided to, to go take off to sail around the world, and we worked backwards from there. Um, so that was part of it, you know, gaining perspective in a sort of a very philosophical way, um, universal way of of what is life. But then beyond that, it's, it's uh, you know, the world's in a, a crazy crossroads, and maybe it's always been in a crazy crossroads and always feels like that for the folks living in that specific time period mm. but i love people and i believe in people and i i think that if we can do something to share other people's perspectives and make somebody on the totally opposite side of the world in a totally different background understand for somebody in my home to understand them and for them to understand somebody in my home and see if we can just listen to each other and learn more about each other maybe we'd get along a little bit better maybe we be able to share ideas better. Maybe we'd gain a little bit of hope and a little bit of excitement. And I think life's incredible. And I think to be able to share that and do whatever we can to do, that's a, a good way to spend your time. And then as far as, yes, yeah, shoveling, I mean, I I don't get a lot of sleep as much as I should. And I, I work really hard and put a lot of work in that boat and uh, and just hustling all the time. But it's, uh, you know, how else are you going to spend your time? That's sort of how I feel about it. I'm happy with what I'm doing. Yeah, it's a great way to look at it, mate. It's it's a really positive perspective to have. And I think I feel pretty much the same way you do about the whole global setup at the moment. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I We're I think, not the only ones. Yeah, probably not. I think, you know, I think there was a good hundred of us together a few weeks ago, wasn't there? Um, 
Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I, I think, like, maybe, you know, 70 years ago, people would have, like, you know, listened to the news guy shouting out the headlines on the corner, selling the tabloids and got pissed off about stuff. <laughs> you know, whereas now the only right. difference is it's constantly on your phone, you know, somebody's saying this thing, this just happened. It's like, they're just, the world's bullshit is right in your pocket now, whereas before you had to go for a walk to listen to it if you wanted to. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's easy to forget that behind insanity are actual you know, genuine people with lives and you'll probably get along with them. Really. Um, exactly. most people have got a lot in common. Exactly. Yeah. That, that, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. This morning I downloaded four different news apps because I've been listening to just one. And I realized I need, I need a lot more in order to get something straight, <laughs> you know? And so yeah. you know, I know, yeah, I have, I have five total now, but yeah, that's the idea. That's the basic idea is, is, uh, I do believe that, you know, generally most people would get along and, and I think most people are reasonable. I mm. think most people, you know, if you really knew their story, you'd, you'd, uh, you'd love them. Um, yeah, very much so. You know, I don't think, I think also it's like when I meet people and I have like an instinct to like dislike them for whatever, it's generally because they remind me of a trait I've seen in someone else that I've disliked or, you know, could even be something to see myself that I don't like, and that's the reason for it. That's pretty common, do you know what I mean? Then you just yeah. need to work on yourself rather than taking it out on them. But, um, yeah, just the, the ability to step back and, like, if somebody behaves like a shit, just be like, well, what day might they have had? You know, did their mum just die? And I'm literally nothing to them at the moment, and they were just rude for yeah. a second. You know, like, just take a step back and try and, try and wait. <laughs> you can usually learn a lot with silence, so <laughs> it's better to not respond sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. You never know what's going on in somebody's life. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Very true. Well, mate, so like this, you know, you've, you've thrown yourself in the deep end a bit, haven't you? With a big old 75 foot aluminium ginormous boat. Like you spent a bit yeah. of time working on it. This is a very different way to maintain a vessel than a fiberglass boat, which, you know, most people are used to, you've got, um, you've got to be really careful with the electric something. It's not the same as mm, on a fiberglass yeah. boat. And the paint erosion. Yeah. Like how have you prepared for that? So, I mean, the big thing was when we bought the boat, right? That's the first way to prepare us, see what we have ourselves into. And, and when we, we bought the boat and, and we, you know, it's ripping the whole thing apart, looking in at the bilge and looking at obviously corrosion. Um, we had it hauled out and you have to have, you know, a professional come and do a, uh, uh, what do they call it? It's basically like a sonogram of the, of the hull though, to, to measure and sound yeah. with, you know, electronic tools, the quality of the aluminum plating. The problem with aluminum is that it's corrosion isn't like rust where it's a big spot yeah. or like a wooden boat where it's a big, you know, it's rod or even fiberglass. You have, you know, soft spots and, and water intrusion there. It's uh it's very uh, isolated. Yeah. You know, you have uh, just these pockets and pits of, of corrosion. So we got in the hall and we, you know, we did the best we could to see what we had. And, you know, another part of it's, it's a really good boat builder. It's built by uh, Palmer Johnson, which built some of the best aluminum boats that have ever been built. They were built up in Wisconsin by farmers. Uh, and no I mean, just, yeah, just really interesting group of folks made a really high quality product that made a name for itself. And that boat has a pedigree because of that history. Um, and really interesting, a little bit of a side story is I ended up meeting when we, when Kira and I got to Newport, Rhode Island. So the other side of the country, bought it in Washington, Seattle, Washington in the United States, did a lot of stuff, went up to Alaska, came down the West coast to the United States, down Mexico, filmed the whole way, came through the Panama canal, 
went up to Maine uh, this past summer and through there, you know, we were going through Newport and uh, New England and uh, ended up meeting the owner or the original captain of the boat. And no. this is the guy that was there almost every day the boat was being built. And I met Holy the, shit. the, yeah, wild, wild thing. And I met the widow of the guy who had initially commissioned the build. So I met these two people and was handed. How did you meet them? It's just random Dave on the dock. I, like you just this walk is sailing, by. right? These are boats. I, I, uh, we got to the dock and somebody knew somebody and said that boat used to be at Newport. And I, the owner of the dock ended up coming down and got on the phone at the, at the fuel dock right there that day. I just was talking to him and he called this guy, Mike. And he said, Mike, and he made a joke to him. Like we found some uh, contraband with your name on it, on this boat. You know, because I think the boat has a history. <laughs> and uh, long story short, I ended up meeting Mike, and his wife actually was the first mate on the boat. And, you know, meeting all these people involved, I ended up getting these thick binders full of photographs and old slides that you put in an old slide machine, you know, with the lights, the little square cards that, you know, it's say, you know, usually Kodiak or Canon on them. Yeah. And just went through all these old photos of when the boat was being built, its first years on the water, the original crew on the boat got to hear all these stories. And, and so, I mean, this is a tangent off from boat maintenance, but to know that I got to meet somebody who was there every day building the boat in 1978 mm. and was making sure that it was done right for the owner because he was the captain, he was there um, and met the whole crew. And I got to see photos of everybody that launched this thing on launching day and the whole ceremony through this, these old photographs. But the quality of the boat construction is a big part. And then, you know, obviously going through and seeing what kind of shapes she's in now and she was kept pretty, but she wasn't kept well when we got her. Mm. Um, all the water systems, all the fresh water systems were busted because somebody didn't uh, prepare for winter well. And all the, oh, every yeah. single, it's a 75 foot boat with four heads and you know, five rooms and, you know, all sorts of systems. Everything That's was cracked. Um, uh, you know, part of the bills you couldn't even get to because there was an aluminum frame with a generator on top. It was just kind of poor planning in my, my opinion. And so we cut all that out and got to the bilge and it is terrifying. But the big thing, like you said, is electricity, making sure stray mm -hmm. electricity doesn't get anywhere. And I have a little button I can press that tells me if I'm reading the right sort of uh, uh, level of, of uh, frequency, if you will, mm -hmm. through the hall. And I know everything's okay. And if it's not, then uh, I don't know. It's a 75 foot boat. I better go find this loose wire somewhere and figure it out. Oh yeah. Mate. I've had those fears. <laughs> and I've, just got, I've just got a normal fiberglass boat. I'm like, well, you know, I have like, I, I completely changed my electrical system on my boat, like totally new house bank and then rewired the starter batteries. So I've got like independent units now for like the generator and the ACs and the engine and the house and all that. And like the, um, I can't remember exactly. So basically I've got like loads of battery banks because I've got them for the winches and then the windlass. So like a separate 24 volt system. And um, I was so paranoid at first because I was losing charge from my starter batteries overnight. And I was like, where the bloody hell is all this going? It took me a while to realize it was going to the uh, chargers that were charging the other batteries. <laughs> Don't know why I didn't think. I'm not used to it. Literally wasn't used to it. Right. But yeah, yeah, for like for the entire night, I was like, oh my God, if I've got a loose wire, like where do I start? <laughs> well, <laughs> and, you know, that's, exactly. That's, that's the thing I think with any boat. I mean, I... For my time, I'm on, uh, you know, I was on a 40 foot boat before the 75 foot boat. And it's a big jump, but the, the name of the game the entire way through is simplify, 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 and try to yeah. get those systems simpler and simpler and sim simpler. 
And then at least that group of wires that you're hunting down is something that you know and is manageable. And hey, that's yeah. why I like the older Mel's are so good. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. the new ones are great boats, obviously, but like those, um, you know, the Super Maramoos, like the one um, Brady was on and stuff, like they've really, really tried to do that. And it's difficult when you, it's a 55 foot boat, you know, you have to, you have to make some exceptions, but that's, it's a great example of a boat that they've just been like, let's just, you know, do one hole. Let's have all the, you know, gray water running into this area and like, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that was not the case with us. You know, we had five air conditioning units on the boat when we first got it. Oh, five same. separate air fit. Yeah, yeah. What? That's insane. Two two generators. Now we're down to one. You know, two generators. Yeah, it's twenty a big kilowatt boat, though, mate. You know, and if if it was going to be used as a proper expedition vessel with all that science stuff on board, <laughs> I don't know what's. I don't know how much energy science stuff takes i just imagine like tony stark you know trying to build his iron man suit it'd probably be a lot of energy um maybe yeah. you need him uh yeah what we're trying to do is is convert the whole boat i mean the idea is that it's an affordable uh research platform and sustainable you know we're sailing as opposed to motoring a ton uh what we're trying to do though is build the whole cockpit roof it's a big boat we have a huge cockpit right now it's canvas and this uh february i'm planning on building that as a hard top Covering that uh, I'm planning on doing a foam core, you know, fiberglass. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. You know, hard top. Yeah. Uh, you know, some wood, wood parts in there so I can fasten into it and so on. I was a wooden boat builder at one point in my life. So ah, I, yeah, yeah, I, I'm nice. familiar with those, those processes. So build a hard top over the cockpit, nice and rigid, cover that in soft solar panels and then put an A-frame. I call it an A-frame. It's really a, a tower that we can hold a, a much larger dinghy, which you need for cetacean research. And it's great for dive equipment and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Hang that off the back. But on top of that, be able to put a couple more solar panels and wind. But the big part of it that we're trying to get to is uh, just a really badass battery bank. We have a five kilowatt Northern Lights generator now, nice. and but I really want to rely on that battery bank. And then we're 24 volt as well. But a lot of our equipment's 200 or sorry, 240 volt. Yeah. So what we want to do is uh, right now I have a single inverter with 24 volts that, you know, produce uh, and 120, obviously. And I want to stack another inverter so I can get 240 volts off of it and run without starting a generator, but yeah. a, a nice battery bank, our refrigeration and our, our windlass at one point was also on that, uh, you know, Nice things that you don't need on a boat, but actually it's really helpful when you have eight people and you're all over yeah. the world and doing all this stuff. We have a washer and dryer. So that's also part of that. As that's far as the scientific this year, mate. That's my upgrade. It's, it's a big one. It's a big yeah, yeah. one. And it, I, I could justify it. And we've talked about it. You use a lot more water when you use a bucket and soap. And yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like that. Well, if you get a washing machine, you know exactly how many liters you're using as well. You know what I mean? So like, and you, you, they get clean. You're not washing them with salt and like rinsing them off and all that type of shit. Yeah. And dry. We spent, we yeah. spent uh, the summer of 22 up in Alaska and it was a, you know, it was one of those summers where it was a what, atmospheric river. And ah, so yeah. you can't hang your clothes out to dry. Plus it's Alaska. It gets cold at night and so on. Yeah. A dryer is nice. Yeah. So basically, you know, to answer the question about power, you know, we're trying to make it so we really have a lot in batteries, have a lot of capacity. We can run the five kilowatt generator if we really need to, but most of the stuff we do doesn't need that much power. So nice. What type of a uh, battery system are you thinking? Like how many, um, 
how many amp hours or watts and then how many solar panels are you getting on there? Yeah, you know, solar panels as many as we can. I honestly don't know quite yet uh, the battery, you know, what capacity we're going to have. Mm. Um, I'm actually talking back and forth because that's not my background, but talking back and forth with a buddy of mine that's an electrician, a marine electrician to kind of help figure that out because we're not just trying to cover our needs. We're trying to have, you know, a lot of excess because yeah. sometimes our needs will expand. Uh, but, you know, that whole hard top covered in solar, the whole A-frame off the back covered in solar. And I mean, yeah, something pretty large. And yeah, and, uh, and we definitely lithium ion, ion is what we're, we're looking at for what we're doing. Yeah. Mate, you know one thing which I like didn't anticipate? Because I've in my previous boat that I had, we just like cruised for the summer. So I think the most we were ever on the boat for at one time was like a month. And then, you know, we did like long weekends and weeks away and up and down the coast and stuff like that. But we never did like permanent cruising on our own boat. Uh, and we only ever did it in the summer. When you're on the shoulders of like your cruising season or, you know, autumn, spring, whatever it is, like uh, you can have a massive bank. If you've not got loads of solar panels, um, it's completely useless. <laughs> if you can't, if you can't reach your light, if you have a shitty week and it's just gray, like, you know, you're turning the engine on and um, you're turning the generator on and stuff like that. But like, just raft them up as many as you can. <laughs> That'd be my advice to anyone. Solar panels everywhere. Uh, after you know i was on a I was, so I was on a, a 40 foot a hinkley bermuda 40 i borrowed it for two years is sort of how it happened and i made a deal to fix it up uh and return it to the owners in good shape because it needed some love and so i had this boat i didn't have solar power i was screwing with this kind of crappy generator for a while and i was in french polynesia finally we put solar panels on then i had it for you know we're sailing nonstop every single day we don't have a season we're always there and and so I got used to it. And so when we got on this boat that didn't have solar when we first got it, it blows my mind. You know, you get used yeah. to it. I mean, how beautiful it is it that when you get if you make it through the night, in most cases, you make it through the night with power, start daylight, you're gonna be okay. And and you just yeah. get used to that. It's wild to think that a boat wouldn't have solar power on it at this point. Hey, yeah, I don't know me. why they're just not installed as standard now. I mean, like it's pretty crazy the 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 efforts and the extremes that like the automotive industry and the energy industry and stuff is having to go through it's like why not just say boats need to have some solar panels already on it's probably aesthetic you know i imagine it's aesthetic it's an extra cost but like i don't understand it but like you see these charter boats and like charge your batteries just because it's so cheap now solar panels are cheap lithium batteries they're mate they're like a quarter of what they were five years ago yeah what is like, it basically a dollar for uh what is sort of what i've been told that yeah, more or less. yeah more or yeah. less <clears throat> yeah like they're only i think they're probably a little bit more than like good good agms now um so yeah it's just bizarre i mean we were, we were obviously on these like maybe we should tell everyone how we know each other uh, <laughs> we're yeah you should you, you probably should, probably should <laughs> i'll i'll give it a bit of an intro mate so we met at the odyssey sailing festival which was um, a surprise to me because I hadn't I hadn't met you before or spoke to you before. So you are friends with uh, Brady and Blue, and you're going to be working with them as well. And um, yeah, so uh, you came along and we met, and we thought, bloody hell, we've got a lot in common, haven't we? And uh, well, <laughs> and I kept on hearing, you know, who's this Andy guy? I keep on hearing about Andy. Keep on hearing it by about Andy. Didn't expect the uh, the jean shorts and the and the leather sort of uh, leather hat and 
didn't expect to just, you know, meet so many fantastic people, including yourself there. Uh, it's just, uh, what a, yeah, what a ride. Mate, it was a crazy week because it was like, there was so many different personalities there. And there was, there was a lot of like super interesting people also. Like there was, there wasn't a single person who I spoke to who I literally just didn't go, oh, do you know what I mean? Like, that's interesting. That's different. That's new. That's that's a cool take on life. Like, it's just so many sweet surprises. Um, but yeah, God, it was just it was just a great week for me to cool people, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know. Again, I I took from that week. I think everybody on that boat wants to come sailing on resilience now. That was sailing with us. You know. Yeah. And we have. A, I still. I still. I mean, I'm sure if I lift up my phone, yeah, I have a a WhatsApp from some crew member on our boat from that from that trip but that goes to show you the relationships built during that entire thing and so on so oh yeah, yeah I, I had no idea I, I honestly don't listen to a lot of podcasts and and don't get on youtube very much so i met a lot of new people that i hadn't heard of that were pretty incredible i heard of a couple of them because there were a couple of folks there that were just you know people that i've i've have always that are pretty incredible but uh yeah but it was amazing how many new people i met and i had the same effect i, I never got into a conversation that i didn't sort of I couldn't stop because it was just so interesting, you know, so wonderful. Yeah. Which, you know, like if you just potter about your daily business, you know, down the street, you're going to go and get the newspaper or get a coffee in the morning, whatever. Like you do meet some pretty mundane people sometimes and like not a single one of them was like that on this week. It was like just completely interesting stories. It was, um, it's the lifestyle, isn't it? It's like the type of person or the type of like intrigue that it's, that it attracts um, it, you're probably going to have a good conversation. It makes me wonder. I, I, I did a lot of reflecting after that, that week of, of sailing on the boats because a lot of folks that I met, you know, they, they have, everybody has their life. Uh, you mm. know, obviously a, a bunch of folks there, especially you know, a lot of the captains are sailing and, and in this world of cruising around the world and doing all these different things and have these personalities. But a lot of folks there were, were coming in to see what that was like and they have their daily lives and met, you know, people that are in the tech industry, you know, that are, are programmers or, or data data analysis to data analysis or doctors or, you know, what guy, you know, runs a, a trucking company and, you know, a nurse here, a nurse there, you know, all these different people. And what it made me think is is really those people that we might think, you know, that we pass on the street that aren't, you know, that intriguing. Mm. I think having the right setting, you know, being on a boat in a small space for a week it allows people and in a place that you're not familiar with. Yeah, allows people to open up and and build relationships. And it's funny. I think I probably would pass a lot of these folks in the street, and I wouldn't connect with them because why would I? Yeah, uh, maybe. Maybe we yeah, all need so, to go to the festival. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why I think you're onto something, Andy. I think we all need to go to the festival. <laughs> yeah. No, but really, it, there there is something to it. It's it's I, we were talking about it's sort of a camp effect, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, mate. It's like old school. Burning Man, perhaps? Maybe not the new version. I've seen it online now. And it looks a bit weird, but maybe what it was intended to be something. Um, yeah, it was great. It was, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. So what what, what did you know going into that? Because obviously like, I, I've been speaking with Brady and Blue for ages about it, and we like we were working on it together. Um, nothing. I knew so nothing. Did, so did they just I, say, turn up, you're a skipper for a week? Yeah, kind of. You know, we had been talking... Uh, we had met in Mexico, Tanabaja, and had been talking about working together in some capacity. Uh, you know, really got along right off the bat, liked them, you know, let's see what we can do. Um, and then I, we got a call in May, probably, 
about this and saying, hey, we want to do another boat. And, you know, do you want to run that boat? And I just said, Kieran, I said, yeah, sure. That, that sounds fun. You know, and, you know, it was an opportunity you know, to have a little side hustle, a little side job. And, and really, that was sort of the extent of it and to build a relationship with them and see how we work together. I had no idea, really. And I hate to see it. But I really didn't. And we've been so busy. We have our own lives. We have this whole project we're starting. Parent Wins is a year and a half old. So we had other things going on to the point where, I, you know, I, I'm sure you you have had this plenty of times in your life where you, I know next week I'm going to the BVI to sail on a boat and I guess run this cat. I've never sailed a catamaran. Okay, that's fine. I know I'm doing that, but I have today's project in mind. Yeah, yeah. So it's just sort of the, the day before I'm throwing stuff in a bag. And luckily, we, you know, we got there two days before or a, I think two days before the festival to kind of catch up and debrief before we go and do this thing. And so I, I really didn't uh, know too much of what to expect. And, and I honestly, I'm thankful for that. It was not because I wouldn't have gone, but it was fun to sort of learn and, and kind of be fully engaged and fully focused there without a lot of expectations, but with definitely with, you know, uh, just paying attention, you know, listening and, and just being focused about not a lot of expectation. And I was blown away. Yeah, that's wicked, mate. I, I think out of that week, ev everyone, I think, is in agreement that you had the best crew. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, every boat is in agreement on that as well. Like, some of the videos and the photos are, were pretty good. <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, that goes back to what I'm saying. I mean, th there's something really powerful to being on a boat and sailing with people in places that we're not familiar with. There's something really powerful about you know really sitting and listening to getting to know somebody, and uh, and we also got I think very lucky to have a crew on our boat that were all willing to do that and had that patience uh, with each other, and we got to you know build these friendships and relationships. I never you know sort of did again I didn't expect anything going into this, but I didn't expect that. I brought my laptop thinking that I'd wake up early in the morning and do my work and have my coffee and, you know, get the boat going and take people where they want to go and so on. That never <laughs> happened. I was up late speaking, you know, having a good time and talking with people and, and then up early and, and immediately you know, connecting with folks and having a good time. And the conversation goes, we were sailing in 35 knot winds every day, you know, more or less, you know, big winds, a lot of excitement. And uh, yeah. And, you know, that, you know, bringing it back to what we're doing and, you know, the stuff that we have coming up, we're about to do charters on our boat I and mean, we have already for research and we're about to do it for education. So getting kids aboard. And it was cool going, talking to uh, Laura Decker about that because she's bringing children on her boat and that's their yeah. whole mission. And so I got to, you know, learn a little bit and gain some perspective there, but, but then doing charters of bringing other folks aboard, it gave me a lot of energy and a lot of excitement for what that looks like and, yeah. and showed me the value of, you know, again, back to what I was saying, the whole point of this big boat was to a bigger platform, including more people aboard. And so doing this with, with the Odyssey uh, Sailing Festival sort of was this bright light of, yes, you know, that makes sense. This is something powerful. I don't know what it is exactly, but it's something that we should be doing. Yeah. So, yeah. mate, I did, a, um, I did a podcast with a guy called John Kretschmer, who's um, pretty you know, good skipper, uh, and he's an author and he's, you know, he's done quite a few miles and, um, he's been doing ocean passages with people for like, well, 15 years, maybe I think something like that. He's been doing it for a long time. Um, but you should hear, you know, some of the way 
he speaks about his experiences when it comes to like you know taking groups of people who haven't sailed before across the atlantic and getting and working together as a team and bonding with them like you know you can um I don't know if it's the environment maybe it's because you're so in tune with nature when you're out there like literally you have, your entire day is based around like wind and water and rain and storms and and yeah everything like this i think it just brings you really in tune no i uh i, I definitely agree yeah there's it's the uh, the connection with nature is a big part of it and, and then again those those cycles and that community that you have you know when when you come up watch you're in the middle of the night you've been on watch or, or somebody just woke you up and you have to go up and all of a sudden at that crew of once you have six on a boat or, or fewer, whatever it might be, it's just you and that other person. Usually mm. it's the middle of the night, the stars are out maybe, or maybe it's storming either way. There's something going on. That's really intriguing. And it is, I think part of that is that again, that natural setting that you're in, but then also that the human side of it is now it's just you and that person. And they're mm. saying, you know, there's a boat over here and I'm not sure exactly where they're going or there's lightning over here and I've been keeping an eye on it or, hey, look at the bioluminescence. It's been going nuts this entire time and the stars are on fire. You know, it's just incredible. And so, and then you, you know, you switch and then you have that moment of all to yourself on that watch in the middle of the night where you're, you know, we do three hours on through and however many hours off, uh, but three hours on on watch. So you have the three hours to kind of reflect that changes that whole system mm. too. So it's, it's the exposure to nature, but I think it's the very human thing and maybe a meditative thing when you have your time alone, uh, uh, a social thing when you're in this tight space with a lot of different people that how could that not be transformative? Yeah. Yeah. Very true, mate. Very true. I think we like it. <laughs> Sounds like it. So what do you need to do with your boat next? So you, you took it all the way up to Maine, you said, and you've been doing some work on it. Yeah, we work all the time. I mean, the boat's a boat. You work on it all the time. But yeah, ever since we bought it, when we first got it in Washington, we did a ton of work. Christmas, you know, the holidays of 2022, I was in San Diego. I stayed there for Christmas and, and just worked on the boat and did a ton of work. And then, you know, of course, there are things that happen that we, ha that we have to address. But this, we went up to Maine this summer, but planned this time. And it's kind of a horrible thing because I don't know if you've been through this, but Probably since January of this year, I, the joke started, it started as, as seriously, but the joke has been serious, but also a joke of, oh, we'll fix it when we're in Charleston. You know, so that list of, <laughs> oh, that happened. We'll deal with that when we get to Charleston. We'll deal with it. And it was such such a nice thing to be able to go out and say, oh, that's broken. Don't worry about it. We'll deal with it in Charleston. But now we're in Charleston. <laughs> <laughs> you have so, to fix everything. <laughs> yeah. So the list is daunting. We, uh, I mean, we, so we haul out next week and we're, we're repainting the whole bottom. If I can afford to, we're going to sandblast the whole bottom and redo all of our painting systems on the bottom. Aluminum boat, you know, I really want to look at that and see how things are and deal with it. We're repainting the whole hull. So we had 75 feet, 18 foot beam, tall freeboard, you know, seven feet off the water. Or so mm -hmm. we're re repainting the entire boat uh, while we're hauled out. Uh, we're redoing all of our standing rigging. So every wire right? on that. That's a lot of work, um, and and that's huge. How are you uh, painting we, it? Uh, we're actually so it's interesting. Uh, Alex Seal is giving us some paint. This roll-on, no tip, is what we're doing. Nice. So the whole hall, you know, it used to be a yacht, but it's not anymore. But also, I saw at their factory went in and, and did a little tutorial, 
So we're going to just roll that whole hull. That's our plan right now. Roll on the paint. Okay. No tip. A couple of coats or a few coats. And, you know, honestly, if, honestly, if what we saw at the factory looks fantastic. And even if it, you know, is a, we're not professionals, even if we're 10 feet away and it looks good, I'm happy. In Kingston Gray, we're doing the color. One, it doesn't look so yachty. Uh, for our, you know, being a research vessel and, you know, what we're doing, I, I wanted that, but also it's cooler in the hot climates and it doesn't show, it kills me when I, when I show up in a place like Newport, for instance, where you have all these boats, I, know, I get caught up in the seat, I suppose, but we have salt all over the side of the boat and, and we're not a fancy, I'm not, I'm not getting out there and getting a hose and doing that. It's a waste of water and, and not what we do. So Kingston gray, I think it's going to be the the savior of my sanity um that we're painting the boat that so we got the nice. paint we had the rigging oh you know our decks 75 feet of teak decks we're oh, screaming gosh. out every seam and recocking them because they're leaking bloody hell that's big yeah that's big and then we recock them and then we sand How are it they all leaking? down well are they screwed in as well or are they, is it leaking through and seeping out of the sides of the teak install area or something yeah, I mean, I don't want to think about it too much, but sorry, man. But I no, 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 no. I'm just no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no. But I so it's a couple of things. I think that there's some areas that you know fasteners are coming through, and so that's yeah. an issue, especially around the hatches. You know, so you it's not oh, yeah, leaking normal. at the hatch, but just around, and uh, and you know that they were put in in 2005, we think. So oh it's just yeah, old. yeah. Yeah, and yeah, we talked to Teak Decking Systems did the decks, and so we talked to them, and they said, "Yeah, that is one of our decks, and it looks amazing. We still have three quarters of an inch of teak." Nice. So you know, they gave us advice of what to do and how to do it, and so on. So it is mainly around hatches and a couple of fasteners that you do have to use, and you know, but it makes a big difference. So yeah, yeah. we mean the decks. The cool thing is, once you recock those, you take out all the caulk, put new caulk in, sand them. It'll sand down about a a, a a skim the top or an eighth of an inch. Yeah, yeah. So our decks will look brand new. Our hull will be repainted completely. Our standing rigging will be all brand new. We worked with UK Sales. They gave us a, a good deal, and we got all brand new sails on the boat. At least the main sails. We still need to figure out a spinnaker and and a few other you know code zero and stuff like that. Yeah. So you know the idea is that after this refit, we've done all these other projects, but after this one. We'll still have a lot more work to do, but we will have the big. But <laughs> we'll, but we'll still have, we'll have the big chunk done. Uh, the, the, yeah. I mentioned that we met the original captain, and you know, I told him everything we wanted to do, and I told him about like this spot under the engine I saw in the aluminum, and he said, "Listen, just do a little bit, do what you can. You're always going to have big projects, but do what you can, and then close it up and save that for later." So that's that's what we're doing, doing a big yeah. portion, but there will be projects down the road for sure. But we're ready to, after yeah. this, we, we go north uh, one more time to Maine just to miss hurricane season in the Caribbean. And then we either spend a year in the Caribbean or we head through the canal and go west. We stay in the Caribbean. We might go around uh, uh, around South America. So we'll, but we're That'll off no matter cool. what. We're, yeah, we're out of the States. Yeah. You've got a lot of work. Over, mate, you've got a, f a few similar things to me. I need to do my decks. My decks are... I think eight years old, so um, mm. they're in good they're they're in good condition. They were quite thick. I think they were about fifteen mil when it, when when the new deck was put on, but uh, it needs a couple of millimeters knocking off the top because it's starting to get, you know, you you can see the the 
areas of the wood where it's starting to pit and, and all that. Um, it holds but, moisture. Yeah, it holds moisture. The key is just to have them, because a lot of people think if you sand it, you're taking away the wood, and that's a bad thing. It's like, actually, if you leave those creases and those marks in and they hold the water, it's actually worse than sanding it back. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. They get, yeah, they get deeper. Sanding it back a bit. Yeah, yeah they get deeper, yeah. Yeah, yeah so you yeah. had that going on in your boat. I've got a few bits I need to do, mate. I've, I need to do that. I've got... Um, I need to take some big thick wires from my 24 volt alternator all the way to the bow to where the batteries are for the windlass. I'm not looking forward to that job, man. I have to run like these big, the 24 volt, but they're still big cables because it's a long distance. Right. Not looking forward to that. Um, install a dishwasher. Actually, I'm mm -hmm. looking forward to that. That's just not, I can sit down in the kitchen and take my time. That's not a bad one. Um, washing machine. That's, that's what's going on next. Flexible solar panels to put on there, extra solar controller, but sales, a couple of repairs. So nothing major, but it's a list, mate, isn't it? Do you know, and, and it adds up, and these things take way longer than you think they're going to take. Oh, my God. Yeah, we, re we replaced all of our windows, and I thought that was going to be a two-week job. Oh, no, getting all the cork off and cleaning the area. Mate, just getting those windows out sometimes, eh? They can be so difficult it's to huge. remove hatches. And, yeah, the old caulking and everything is such a pain. Everything takes longer. Then you have rain, our friend yeah. rain, which, you know, we need rain. But, <clears throat> yeah, that, that sets things back a good bit. And we know what we did. And I don't know if you've done this on your boat yet. God, the, the list of projects we have, by the way, are just ridiculous. They are kind of crazy. And, you know, how do you eat an elephant but one bite at a time? The sort of how yeah. I look at it, but yeah. we uh, we took up our stanchions. I thought that'd be just a good thing to do. Let's take up the stanchions and rebed them. I've done that on other boats I've owned. It's just a good thing to do because they do eventually start leaking. Yeah, you didn't expect to find as much uh, corrosion as we had at the base of the stanchions, and so that project okay. that was going to be uh, a week, you know, five days, because there are a lot of stanchions. It's a big boat and rebedding everything. It, it is a pain. You had to take ceiling panels down and other yeah. panels down to just access them in the first place. Yeah, that project's still going, and but we just found so much corrosion. <laughs> <And> the good, <laughs> we found the it. Good that's the good thing. We found it, and and that's the thing. All this stuff, it, and it's nice. It's 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 you know the boat that we're going to be on for the next decade. It's yeah. kind of nice getting to know it intimately. Work sometimes is a pain, but how nice is it when you get to where you're going? Let's say. I know I, I have a, a daydream. I keep, I think Tahanea in French Polynesia in my, in my mind. And when I'm sitting there feeling like I don't deserve to be here, this is too incredible. I'll feel much more like I deserve to be there after doing this kind of work, you know, and <laughs> you've earned it or yeah, that's, that's one of the moments. The other moment is when my buddy goes flying across the deck because a wave hits him and hits the lifelines and, and when we know that they're strong, you know, <laughs> that's where the work pays off and it's okay you know it's good mate it's such a rewarding feeling do you know when you do a job and you do it like really well like you follow the instructions of all the professionals down to a t and you've done it and you can see it working properly it's it's really really rewarding to get it right from the start as well that's that's so important um but it's good to bash your boat around, isn't it? It's, I mean, we saw over the past 10 days what happens when <laughs> boats don't get sailed that often and then you sail them. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you exactly. You fall to bits real quick. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to bash them around a little bit more often. I was definitely worried about that on, you know, boats that don't typically get sailed in 35 knots of wind and, you know, so on and so forth. But, you know, actually, 
I was really happy with the boats we were on uh, down the BVI. They ours held up really well, and we we pushed it, but we were smart. We didn't push it too much. You know, that's the rule when you're sailing. If we're not racing, we don't want to break anything. Yeah. If you are racing, you don't want to break anything, but you're willing to push it a little bit further. So yeah, um, it, it is nice nice to know. And and this boat, you know, our boat resilience, the rigging, for instance, I've never known how old that rigging is. Yeah. And so when we redo that, to know that I can really push that rig. Yeah, I, I can push yeah. as far as I want and it will be strong. That's that's a good feeling. You know, and I'd say the same thing could go for goes for work that that job that you did really well. Mm. I've learned enough times that that job that you didn't do very well really will keep on nagging at you. Even if it's yeah. okay, you know that you didn't do the best you could do. Yeah. And it's always going to be there. And I you know, it takes for me I'm hard-headed. It takes me to learn a long time to learn that that's a uh there's a lot of value to just taking your time and being patient and not, you know, covering up a bad job. Yeah. Just don't do patchwork. <laughs> just, just try. It's difficult though, mate. Cause it's so bloody expensive to buy some of these parts and some of these connections and the right copper wiring and, you know, the right switches yeah. and fuses like, gosh, it's so, it's so tempting to just not get the one that's bloody 10 times the price sometimes. <laughs> You know, it, it is is terribly expensive. I I go with the rule that you know, as long as the boats, you know, go go with the most important thing first. The boat's yeah. floating; that's probably number one. The rig's going to stay up. Nobody's going to get electrocuted. You know, and your bilge pumps work. You know, and the list kind of goes on and on and yeah. on and on. But there's only so much you can do. And then you know, all the all the old salts I feel like will tell you, you know, you just put the damn thing in the water and go. There comes a time where you got to put yeah. it in. And I'm I'm curious. I I don't know much about your story, but. I know you've sailed some, and but how long are you hauled out? Do you do you have that feeling where you realize that this list might not ever end, and I just need to put the boat in the water and go? Well, I left mine in the water this year for that reason. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want I didn't want to invite that possibility. <laughs> I've just got no. Actually, the most annoying thing I've got is we've got like a surge box for the water intake under the engine because it's a big engine. Hmm. It's like hundred horsepower, and the inlet's only you know a normal production boat Genoa type of size inlet. So it's got like this surge box basically like beyond the impeller. So I suppose if you put the revs on you know too much too quick, you're not getting like cavitation around the impeller and stuff so it'll pull water from this like this surge box i had no idea what it was i was like why have i got an exhaust like going into my engine before the engine yeah 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 and they were like no it's a surge box they have them on like big uh big bigger marine engines sometimes uh that's like pissing in like i don't know five liters an hour it's it's 25 years old they decided to make it in stainless steel instead of plastic <laughs> so uh -huh. that's, that's good that's, yeah it's it's an it's an easy thing you know it's an 80 euro part it's not a big deal but getting access to that hole when you're six foot is not easy that's, <laughs> that's why i'm very happy complicated. About, I, I i have to tell i have to argue with my girlfriend that i'm i'm 510 she might be right she's like we're the same height i'm 59 but i'm i'm built for boats <laughs> and i'm thankful for that the other thing too though yeah. is you know our our engine room on the last boat I was on, I remember trying to pull a an injector out of the top of my diesel engine. And there was, you know, maybe an eighth of an inch of space for that injector to make it out of the engine. You know, no yeah. working room above. This, our engine room on this boat is massive. You know, I can nice. I can get on top of my motor, I can get on both sides of it, I can get behind it, I can get everywhere on it, I can sit down. I, I could put a chair next to it if I wanted to and think about what I'm doing for a while. Just think about it. There's the just so much room in that engine room. Yeah. And that was a big that was a big selling point because I mean, you know, there's so many boats that are designed that you almost have to cut the, you do have to cut the sole. If it's, a, if the, 
if the engine's under the cockpit, for instance, out right. of the boat, you know, you had to cut, cut the cockpit out to get to uh, get to what you really need to get to. So. Yeah, and some of the uh, some of the older ones, yeah, it's you know it's it's something that like the longer you have a boat for, and the more time you spend working on an, on an engine that doesn't work very well, um, it's one of those things that you just appreciate so much more. Like when I go in some bigger boats, and we went in this boat, it's called a Gunfleet. It was like a knockoff of an Oyster, but it was actually mm -hmm. really good. It looked better than it looked better than the equivalent Oyster in some, especially the rigging. Um, the engine room was like you know you could get your full body in there and you could lean over and you could see every moving part of it and you could get an elbow around the engine do you know what i mean like mm -hmm. placing those fuel filters that are just impossible because you've got like that much leverage to get off an oil filter or something it's ridiculous it's something you really appreciate once you've spent time on, on a boat for a long time and you know that you right. need to get in there and do the work something that everybody that's buying a boat that they they said that they're going to do all their work. They better look at that look at that space and look how hard it is to get to that stuff. Engine, electronics, you know, pumps, bilges, everything. If you're going to do your own work, yeah, it's uh, yeah. If if you've been on a boat before that a lot, then you realize how valuable that is. Yeah, definitely. So, mate, what's your plan then? How how long do you think you're going to be working on the boat in the yard, and then when do you think you're going to plop it back in and get back out there? So, you know, right now, our plan was to be hauled out the month of January. Uh, we already had a charter lined up to get a bunch of kids from Florida to go to the Bahamas in March. And I just made the call that, hey, I don't think that's a good idea. Let's do it later in the year. Luckily, they received that really well. Um, so I think we're going to be hauled out January and probably part of February. This is okay. just January. And then we'll go back in the water. I mean, I still have a long list of work to do when we're back in the water. All of our port lights are aluminum. I have to take them all out and repair a lot of corrosion and then reinstall and repaint them. And that's just one thing. We're redoing the whole interior of the boat. We'll do mm -hmm. that while we're in the water, you know, varnishing all the floors, walls, <laughs> painting. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. And doing, uh, yeah, uh, upholstery, all sorts of crap inside. So that's January, February, March is sort of what I'm seeing March and April, but March is hopefully finishing some work, but that's really our party period where we'll just invite people aboard and, open it up. And, you know, we have a couple of schools around here in Charleston, South Carolina that will take, you know, we have teachers that are interested in getting their students out to, you know, be on the boat, learn about what we do, maybe do a microplastics trawl, maybe talk about, do some water quality testing, that sort of thing. And then we'll do a little bit more filming. We're filming in January and we're filming in April in the low mm -hmm. country in this part of the world. And I'm really excited about that because that's where I'm from. This, you know, a big part of my heart's here. And then we'll head up to Maine and, uh, in may well we'll head that direction we'll we're planning on doing some cetacean research with a group out of new jersey uh for a week at the end of may and then we'll head up to new england and and uh you know martha's vineyard new york newport sort of area and then off to maine and possibly we're saying our plan is to go as far as newfoundland if we get there but kind of keep that open-ended just so that we're not rushing we're enjoying what we're doing we bring people on we'll do our work but we want to see how far we can get north comfortably before coming back down at the, you know, as winter or fall is starting to, to come on and hurricane uh, season allows, we'll work back down and, and then it's down to the Caribbean. And we have boat shows. We'll be at the Annapolis boat show. We'll be at the Newport boat show, I believe. Uh, it actually depends on the, uh, the next Odyssey because I really want to be a part of that in September. <laughs> Got to figure that one out. <laughs> and, uh, 
and then yeah, down to the Caribbean, and, and we'll see. We have some uh, cetacean biologists, you know, whale scientists that want to do some work with us in sperm whales in Dominica. Uh, we're partnered with Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution, and I think we'll do some stuff with NOAA as well as far as uh, deploying these uh, oceanographic uh, data collecting Argo floats, which are these really cool floats that yep. stay in the ocean and collect data. And so, yeah, we just do our operations, and and that's the deal. It's it's uh, it's kind of cool because we we have the people we film, we go to these different places, we we do the data collection research that we're doing. That's sort of our normal operations, and then we get to play with where are we going to go. Mm. And honestly, when Kira and I got off the boat in in uh, in the BVI, I'd never been there. We had been, you know, working on our boat. We had been up in Maine all summer, so we hadn't really been in in a tropical sort of equatorial setting in a long time. Yeah, and that's what got me into thinking, hey, maybe we don't need to rush to the Caribbean, and because we were planning on going to Dominica for whale research in December 2024, and then heading through the Panama Canal, and in February 2025, leaving Panama to head to the Galapagos and then to head to the Marquesas. And that yeah. might still be the case, but now we're considering uh, a year. Uh, back in the Caribbean and working with people down there. There's there's incredible people there. When we were actually in, in BVI for the Odyssey Sailing Festival, we met a guy that started a recycling program. And as you know, recycling in a lot of these island nations, just because they're so far apart and the resources are different, the uh, you know the infrastructure is different. Nothing gets recycled. Yeah, maybe bottle you know beer bottles are a classic that you see get reused and so on, but it's really difficult. And we met a guy there that I, I thought, you know, immediately it would be a perfect person to interview and talk about what he's doing. And so there's there's plenty to do in the Caribbean. So we might be there for a year uh, working there before we take off and continue around the world. Our, our goal is to do uh, 10 years multi-circumnavigation. And, you know, even as I'm saying that and looking at you through the Zoom call right now, I'm thinking uh, 10, 15, maybe. I don't know. You know, we'll see what happens. But that's that's the plan. That's yeah. the that's the beautiful thing about sailing, right? It's right. Attitude to have, mate. And I think just keep on adding on to those years. Like, there's no need in rushing it. I mean, what you're going to do? Just go around again. <laughs> you know I mean? like, our our idea. What I want to do is is go. And I got so much shit from Brady talking about this, and we made a pact. I think during the festival to go do the Northwest Passage within the next five, two to five years. So I, I need to figure out how to do that. But I'm in. Oh, but, I'm in on that, I, mate. You need to let me know right? when you're doing that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah so and I asked him what boat. He said yours. So, so I don't know. We'll see. Oh, easy. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I had to figure this out. But my whole plan was to do a circumnavigation the easy way, right? Like do the rum lines, do the equatorial sailing, follow the trades. You know, pick, pick one. Do you go through the Suez Canal? Do you go around South Africa? I'd go around South Africa and, and then back up and do one circumnavigation quickly. And then do more of like a big wide stitch, north, south, east, west, go anywhere you want, really go to the extremes, go around the Northwest Passage, go up to Japan, go back yeah. to Alaska. The Aleutian Islands are incredible. Patagonia, Chile, Tasmania, you know, really hit the, these places I've been wanting to go. But I'm starting to rethink that. Maybe why do I need to go around the world quickly? Maybe we just start, you know, however the hell we want and go wherever we want to go and see what happens. Yeah, mate, Definitely. It's the journey, not the destination. A wise man once said that. I can't remember who, but I've heard sure that I've heard before. It. Yeah, <laughs> might be me in a previous life. Who knows? Yeah, it probably was. Probably was. <laughs> Mate, so where can where can our subjects who've been 
forced to listen to us for the past hour. Where, where can they find your information? Yeah. Uh, so everything's apparent wins, you know, like apparently and wins plural, but uh, apparentwins.org on Instagram, we're at apparentwins uh, on YouTube at apparentwins. Uh, we're in Charleston right now. We might be, you know, we'll be in somebody's neighborhood sometime, someday. But yeah, those are the big things. Those are the big platforms, and and we're really and we're on Patreon as well, you know, at Apparent Wins. But nice. that's uh that's where we're putting everything, and you know, we we just we film everything we do. We film our operations aboard, and we film all the people we meet. And I'm really excited what's coming next year. So I'm I'm stoked to get more people involved and more people sort of dialed into what we're doing. Um, we have a, some pretty cool plans coming down the down the pipe, and and we're just thrilled with where it's going. So yeah, hopefully uh. Hopefully, we can get these stories out there because that's the whole point: you know, having other people's voices heard and and sharing some pretty incredible parts of this planet. Awesome, mate! And hopefully, me and you can have a few more good times next year as well, like we did this year. I have a hunch. I have a hunch, Andy, that I'll I'll be seeing you uh, a few times. And I'm <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, me too, mate. Well, listen, that was great.